You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Today, we continue a series called Top Secret. The things that we hide that maybe it's time to come out. It's time to, to reveal. And uh, last week I started, we're going to talk a little bit more about the things that he talked about in that video, but I want to start by, by showing you this. Uh, you guys might remember I had an item underneath a sheet, this sheet last week. This is the exact same item as what was under this, you know, that was it was like this tall and taking up this much space. I had a few guesses. Remember, I had some guesses. Anybody guess what it is? Anybody want to give it another shot? All right, some of you made guesses, and obviously your guesses are not right. Some of you said a broom. Some of you said a shovel. Uh, some of you said a, a, a little bookshelf. I had a, a gift card for anybody that figured it out. Anybody want to give it another shot? I'll give you another chance. A bow and arrow. Okay. Anybody else? The but <laughs> God is not a secret to be kept. Uh, it's a song, by the way. Uh, anybody else? Good, 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 uh, good guess. So, all right. I'm gonna. Who said that? Who said that? Leonard, did you know that? Because that is exactly what it is. It is a music stand. So if you would like a movie gift card, I can give it to you afterwards. This is yours, man. I didn't expect anybody to get it. This is actually the same thing that I had over here. It was a music stand. Now, what's interesting about this is that sometimes uh, the things that we have hidden in our life look bigger (laughs) because they're hidden. And uh, we don't always realize that sometimes the things that we hide are not really that big at all and actually quite manageable when we expose the secret. That's what was underneath the stand. It was just like that. So it was kind of tricky. But, uh, you know, a lot of us, we have these secrets that we have. Last week we talked about the the secret of lying, and I'm excited about next week. Sean's going to be back next week, and he's going to be sharing a secret that many of you have that nobody knows, and that is... I. There's a secret, and that is that we're going to talk about the secret that some of you are lazy. And if you don't feel like coming to church tomorrow, then that's your secret. Uh, Next Sunday, that's your secret. Um, But he's going to be talking about the secret of apathy, that sometimes we just don't feel like doing anything and how to respond to that. Today, I want to talk to you about the things in this folder right here. This is my... Top secret folder. Nice, huh? Top secret. And uh, what I have in here is um, a, uh, I have your resume. I have your job resume. And uh, I, have, uh, I have three job resumes in here. And um, some of them, uh, they don't look so hot. <laughs> uh, some of you, your work history is not so good, and you don't have a number to your previous employee uh, because of the way you left, maybe, or, uh, you know, I don't know. But um, could I get that number from you, please? Because I'd like to call him and ask him. So we have these uh, resumes, and what I'm going to talk about today is the resumes that we have that we keep about ourselves. The resume of failure. And uh, I think a lot of us, we have a secret. And the secret is, is that we feel inadequate. We feel uh, insecure 
almost all the time. And, and I think this is something that is, that is more prevalent than you might imagine. I mean, I want you to know, uh, I battle daily with feelings of inadequacy when it comes to, to ministry, when it comes to being a father, when it comes to being a husband. And, and I can't help it, but constantly look at my resume of failure and, and try to give myself the reasons why I can't be who God has called me to be. Well, here's our three, uh, theme verse in Proverbs 28. It says, uh, He who conceals his sins or keeps them secret does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces, who turns away, um, they find repentance. Today we're talking about a common issue inside of most of us. Um, we often think that God can use really gifted people, that God can use talented people, that God can use popular people, but can God really use me? I confess I feel inadequate a lot. I feel unqualified, and at times I feel very insecure. On the outside, it may look like I've got it together, but on the inside, I've got a secret. And maybe like you, when you want to step out those nagging doubts, bring back your resume of failure. Here's the resume of failure, reasons why we feel inadequate. Here's the number one. It's right in the resume in our file. And then the number one reason is, is you might feel like you don't know enough. Resume for failure number one on your resume says, I don't know. And I can't do this because I don't know enough. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I went to Bible college for youth ministry and for counseling, and uh, I didn't go to Bible college to be a senior pastor. So a lot of times, um, you know, I did youth ministry for 17 years, and, and then I became a pastor. I feel like God was leading me in that direction, I, and I had to overcome incredible amounts of, of insecurity when it came to I don't feel like I know enough, that, I, that I'm not smart enough. Maybe you feel the same. Another one of those resume points is a, a resume of failures. Number two is I'm not good enough. Some of you might feel like, you know, uh, I don't meet others' idea of a pastor. I got to tell you, when I first became a pastor, there were people that just could not stay with us because they could not believe and accept a pastor that didn't tuck in his shirts or that gave illustrations that were a little bit immature or, you know, I know, People left because I didn't seem like a senior pastor. When we first started our church, we had some uh, families that used to be in our youth ministry. Their kids were in our youth ministry. I was their youth pastor. And there were some families that for two years, they still introduced me when we went out to lunch as their kids' pastor. And though they had joined our church and part of our church, they never really saw me as a pastor. So, And I hear that and I think, I'm just not good enough. You know, I... I mean, my wife can testify to this. I sometimes say stupid things. I know. And I don't always feel spiritual. You know, I don't... I don't have the brother or sister. Hello. God bless you. We're gathered here today. I know some of you would like that. I'm just kidding. I hope not. You're in the wrong place. Because I don't feel spiritual. And I'm not the man of power for the hour, you know. You know, I'm not the... Yeah, you know, I'm not lining people up going. I'm not taking off my jacket and waving it at the people. That's not me. Sometimes I feel like I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not good enough. 
Maybe you feel the same. And then a third recipe or resume uh, point on your resume of failure is that, is that you feel like you've made too many mistakes. I just, I've made too many mistakes. You know, my life without Christ was, uh, was like a lot of people. Um, you know, I was a young man uh, with, with sin in my life. And for some of you, maybe I've never done the things that you have done. But what I have in my life before Christ is a lot of fear, a lot of doubt, a tremendous amount of anxiety. I've, I've battled with anxiety problems ever since I was a young person. And I, I have, uh, I don't know if you know me well enough to know this, I have a little bit of OCD. And uh, so I'm like real, get super like antsy and irritated about certain things. And I, and I think, you know what, I just, I, it causes me to, to sometimes be anxious and to make mistakes. And, and uh, you know, so for some of you, maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel like uh, you've made too many mistakes. Maybe you've gone too far. You've, you've said too many things. You've done too many things you are ashamed of. You've gone too many places that you shouldn't have gone. Your hands have put together and, and done and hurt and touched too many people in a way that you're ashamed of or regretful of. And you feel like in my resume, in my folder, is I've made too many mistakes for God to use me. That's what we see. Now, you guys know redneck jokes, right? I'm going to read some. Because we're going to talk about you might be a candidate for God to use if. But before we do, I thought I'd pull out some you might be a redneck if jokes because these are just hilarious. All right. I know they're old, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly through them. I, and if you laugh, that means you're a redneck. That's all it means. If you don't laugh, then you don't understand any of this and you're not even close to redneck. So I'm going to be listening. So uh, you might be redneck if you have a home that's mobile and three cars that aren't. (laughs) All right. There's one person. Uh, All right. You might be redneck if your Thanksgiving was ruined because you ran out of ketchup. You might be redneck if uh, burning ladder fluid is your favorite smell in the world. You might be redneck if you think the last words to the Star Spangled Banner are play ball. You might, (laughs) every time I hear the Star Spangled Banner, that's what I say to myself, play ball, for real. Uh, You might be redneck if your boat has not left the driveway in 15 years. You might be redneck if your front porch collapses and kills more than three dogs. You might be a redneck if you keep a can of Raid on the kitchen table. You might be a redneck if you ever use a toilet seat as a picture frame. You might be a redneck if your home has more miles on it than your car. You might be a redneck if... You ever worn shorts to a funeral? (laughs) I've seen you, so I know. You might be a redneck if you think that the styrofoam cooler is the greatest invention ever made. You might be a redneck if you ever bought a used baseball cap. Some of you have, and you're selling it now. You might be a redneck if you've had to remove a toothpick for a wedding picture. You might be a redneck if you ever had to go outside to get something out of the fridge. You might be a redneck if the neighbors started a petition over your Christmas lights. You might be a redneck if you can't tell what color your car is because of the dirt. You might be a redneck if every electrical outlet in your house is a fire hazard. You might be a redneck if you owe the taxidermist more than your annual income. You might be a redneck if you've ever put a hefty bag over a passenger side window of your car. You might be a redneck if... You have ever, uh, you have a very special cap that you only wear for formal occasions. You might be redneck if you can amuse yourself for more than an hour with a fly swatter. You might be redneck if you have gone down to the creek to take a bath. If you've never paid for a haircut. I need a haircut 
And I can't tell you how many guys said, I'll give you a haircut. You might be redneck if you think the mountain men in deliverance were just misunderstood. You might be redneck if you ever cut your grass and found a car. You might be redneck if the stereo speakers used to belong to the drive-in theater. You might be redneck if you own a homemade fur coat. You might be redneck if you burn your yard rather than mow it. You might be redneck if you read the auto trader with a highlight pin. You might be redneck if birds are attracted to your beard. If you've ever hit a deer with your car deliberately. If your school fight song was dueling banjos, if you ever have given rat traps as a gift, you might be a redneck if you clean your fingernails with a stick, your mother has ammo on her Christmas lift, if you, there's more than five McDonald's bags in your car, you might be a redneck if there's never been a crime, if there's ever been crime scene tape on your bathroom door, you might be a redneck if you've ever been kicked out of the zoo for heckling the animals, the tailgate covers on your car are made of red tape. <laughs> You might be a redneck if you come home from the garbage dump with more than you went in with. All right. Who is going to say, you know, I'm a little redneck. Anybody? <laughs> you got rest of you, you know it. Some of you are like really proud of it. Dayton's like, you, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's how you know if you're a redneck. How do you know if you're someone that God can use? That was a little diversion. You know, might be someone God can use if, number one, you are ever un- unsure of yourself. If you've ever been insecure, you might be someone God can use. Let's take a look at this story in Exodus chapter 4. Uh, you might know the character of Moses. And when you think of Moses, you think like, the Ten Commandments let my people go. You might think of Charlton Heston, this very strong, dominant, secure person. But in the Bible, it paints a very different picture of Moses. Moses in the Bible is someone who is deeply flawed, uh, very insecure. His life is filled with mistakes. In fact, when he was called by God at that moment when Moses saw the burning bush that was not being consumed but yet on fire, and he began to talk to this bush, and it was the Lord speaking from within that flame. And he says, Moses, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to do a great work. And this is what Moses said. In chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent. Neither is the, is the pat in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. That means I haven't, in my entire life, I've never been the kind of person who feels comfortable getting in front of people. In fact, one of the translations says that he is, uh, in this next verse, he says, I'm slow of speech and tongue. Some translations say, I stutter. He's never been the person to get in front of people and to share. And he says, and even since I've been talking to you, he says, I still don't have that unction, that desire, that confidence. He says, I am very insecure. He says, God, I'm not the man. I'm not the person. And then he goes on a list of reasons why God is wrong about picking him. So if you've ever been unsure of yourself, you're a prime candidate. You might be the person that God wants to use. When God calls us, we often submit, like Moses, our resume of failure. But God, this. But God, this, I don't know enough, I'm not good enough, and I've made too many mistakes. God, the facts are right there in my resume. Just ask my previous employee, employer. I am not the person. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too messed up. I don't have skills. Uh, What if no one shows up? What if I can't answer a question? I, I can't talk in front of people. God, this isn't the right person. 
I want to tell you something. When I first became a dad, I never felt more insecure in my entire life than the first time I ever held my children. And if you're a father or a mother, you know this exactly how I'm feeling and what I'm saying. Sometimes you hold this and, man, when you leave that hospital, I mean, as long as you're at the hospital, you're like, everything's cool, right? The nurses have got you covered, you know? Sometimes they'll even let the kids sleep in another room if you want so you can, like, get some sleep. And then all of a sudden it's time to go. You get your child. They wheel you to the door. This is the breeze. And then all of a sudden it's like they bump you out of the seat at the door. And you're like, and then they're like, Later, and you're like, oh, my goodness, you're, like, walking super slow. You're getting the car. You're, like, the car seat has, like, become, like, a rocket ship, uh, you know, seatbelt. And you're, like, I don't know if I can understand it. It's, like, it's like all of a sudden, you, everything that you practice is, like, out the window. You're driving, like, five miles an hour home. You know, you're scared. The first time that they cry or they, you know, you get home, and all of a sudden they're, Things are, their food looks weird, their poop looks weird, you know. It's like everything, how many diapers are they, are they really supposed to go through this many? Is, are they broke? Did I break them already? You feel, and then as they grow, you don't become more secure, you become more insecure. Whoa, I don't know how to handle that. Am I the reason why they can't seem to get the potty figured out? Am I the reason why they can't read, <laughs> you know? Am I the reason why they're not good at sports or they don't like music or they can't sing or they can't? Am I, did I break them somehow? Is there a reason why they're sad all the time because of me? Uh, and then all of a sudden, when they become a teenager, everything, you know, just goes right out the door. At least your kids thought that you knew stuff before then. And then all of a sudden, you don't know anything. And your level of insecurity goes from here to like unmeasurable a lot of parents, they just check out those years hoping that their kids come back mentally. And that's the time when the kids need you the most, but it's because of insecurity. And I found out everything that I need to be, God will give me. God doesn't choose the prepared. He prepares the chosen. Jesus didn't pick Pharisees to be his disciples. He didn't pick the Sadducees or the scribes. These are the religious guys that knew everything about the Bible. They were the most popular men. They were the most knowledgeable men men of God's word. They had the most following of people. They had the ear of every person in town. But he didn't uh, choose a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or a scribe. He didn't choose the popular, the best talented, or the best educated. But he chose ordinary, sinful, insecure people just like you and just like me. He chose tax collectors. He chose fishermen. He chose sinners. He chose prostitutes. He chose the rejected. He even chose two guys that had an anger problem. He called them the sons of thunder, which means the wild guys. And he chose rednecks. So you guys are good to go. God spoke to Moses, who is greatly insecure. He said this, verse 11 says, the Lord said to him, who gave you that ability to speak? Who gave man his mouth? Who made him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. And God coupled him up with his brother-in-law, Aaron, who walked alongside of him and was Moses' voice for a while until Moses was fully able to be his own voice for the Lord. God gave him the help through a person and gifted him in the process. Guys, listen, if you're feeling insecure, 
then you just might be a person God can use. Here's another one. Uh, by the way, I, I felt like Moses sometimes. When I was young, I actually used to stutter, stumbled a lot with my words. I don't know if you realize this. I still stumble, and particularly early in ministry, I used to say things backwards. My wife used to, like, correct me all the time. She's like, you don't realize what you said in service, did you? I'm like, what? I said, you said, and I'm like, oh, man, so I'd have to, like, post something or email something because uh, I would say, and I struggle with the dys- dyslexia, and uh, weaknesses are often the greatest clue to where God wants to work. Because 2 Corinthians 12.9 says that it is through our weakness that his strength is made perfect in us. So if you are one of those, but God, I can't, then God can. Because it causes us to put our confidence and security in him, not on ourselves. So if you're like me, most of us have insecurities. If so, you're a perfect candidate. God says, even if you do not believe in you, I believe in you. Here's the second reason, second reason way you might know if God can use you is if others think you can't do it. If there are others around you that say, you know what, this person is just not the pick I would pick. This is not the person I would pick. This is not the, the woman I would pick. This is not the guy I would pick. This is, man, are you sure? Uh, if you have ever been in a position where someone says you can't do it, you just might be the person God says, I can do it through him. Those voted most popular, most likely to succeed, those team captains, those of you who have essay scores that are off the charts, good news. God can still use you too. It's just that he specializes in the unlikely. If you read through the scriptures, it's all about primarily the unlikely. Before he was king, who's considered the greatest king in the history of Israel, his name was David. You guys know David. He's a, he was, before he was this great, brave, giant, taken down king, he was just a punk kid who had a job working on his dad's farm uh, with the sheep. And there was a time in Israel's history where uh, the great prophet at that time, Samuel, was given the charge to go find a new king and to anoint a new king. And God says that king is going to be at Jesse's house, at Jesse's house. So he went to Jesse's house. He said, hey, I'm coming to your house, and uh, I'm going to anoint somebody in your house. And Jesse brings all of his boys in, all these, like, manly men. And the Bible says, man, they were ruddy. That means they were good looking. And some of them were strong. Some of them had muscles. Man, they had the chiseled chin, you know, and the dimple in the middle. And, you know, they had the short sleeve shirts that made their muscles look bigger. You know, some of you guys that are muscular, you wear shorts purposely too small so you can show your definition. We know you secret. So all these guys in, these, in their sister's shirts were showing up to show off their muscles. Samuel was sent to anoint the new king from among the house of Jesse. Several sons showed up, great guys. And this is what Samuel said in 1 Samuel 16, verse 6 and 7. It says, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. I mean, this is surely the guy. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, meaning he's not the guy I am picking. He says, the Lord, he says, does not look at the things man looks at. Good news, right? Hallelujah for that. I'm glad God doesn't look at me the way you look at me. He says, uh, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. After seeing each son, none of them were it. And he asked Jesse, is there any more? And 
Even David's father did not see David as a potential candidate for greatness because he didn't even invite him to the house. And he says, well, there's one more. It's my youngest, and he's out in the field with the sheep, tending the flock. 1 Samuel 16, he says, they're still the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. And then that's when God told Samuel, that's the one. That's the one. That, that young little kid who's just being faithful, he's the one that I'm picking. Even Jesus was an unlikely pick. Philip, Andrew, Peter, Nathaniel, all these guys, when they said, uh, we found him, their response was, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Surely Jesus isn't like the right heritage. He doesn't have the right family. He doesn't have the right genealogy. He's just this poor dude from Nazareth. That's like, that's like the south town, right? That's, there's, that's the other side of the tracks to Israel. They're, it's just a small, nobody, nothing, poor village. And Jesus, the Messiah, not, no, no, probably not. But God chose an unlikely place. He chose an unlikely person, someone who was not attractive, someone who was single with no years of experience. Guys, I got to tell you that the Bible says that there was nothing in appearance that was endearing about Jesus at all. You know, when you look at the Son of God movie, you know, some of the, I had one woman said, is it wrong that I think Jesus is sexy? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> probably. I just love that Son of God movie because Jesus, oh, you know. But the Bible says that there was nothing about Jesus that even appeared to be attractive in his appearance. He wasn't muscular. He didn't have cool hair. He didn't have that chiseled Portuguese face. The guy who played the Son of God was Portuguese. He didn't have that cool accent. He was just a regular guy. And God says, that's the vessel I've chose to be me. That's who I am with you in. Uh, Jesus would not even get hired at most churches for a staff position. He would not get hired or voted in at a church for a senior pastor, for a youth pastor, a worship pastor, because he's unqualified. But yet, he's exactly who God had planned. God sees things in you that no one else sees. You are not the sum of what other people say. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion. So if you've ever heard someone say, you can't do it, you might be the candidate that God chooses and picks to do it. Here's the third one is, uh, are you a candidate for God to use if, you might be if, you've messed up big time, if you've ever messed up big. This is the failures. There's the insecure, there's the unlikely, and there's the failures. God uses failures. Now, Jesus did not fail at anything. He is sinless. He is the perfect Lamb of God. But none of us are, and God uses us. I'm going to tell you something. King Uzziah, he was a king in Israel who died. The nation of Israel was panicking, Israel included. They were in fear. They were in prayer. They were afraid that some terrible event was going to happen. And, and Isaiah, you guys have heard of the name Isaiah. He's a prophet in the Old Testament. You think, man, this guy, like walking on like miraculous steps. I mean, everything, he even raised the dead. He does miracles. But this is a guy who was incredibly insecure and who confessed his sin problem to the Lord. In this passage in Isaiah 6, Isaiah, in fear of what was going to happen to his people, begins to cry out to God in fear and in insecurity. God picks him up and takes him into his presence And Isaiah gets a glimpse of heaven. 
in Isaiah 6, he says, once he sees this glimpse of heaven and he sees the throne of God, he says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. That means I am a person who is very sinful, who's made and makes mistakes and I live among a nation of people who are sinful and make mistakes. Woe unto me is I'm in trouble because I am about to be wiped out. That was the woe part. You might see your family, you might see your workplace, you might see your school, you might see your neighborhood, and you might think, of all the things I've done, I'm just a part of the problem. You might see your family and think, our family needs help, and I'm part of the problem. My job needs help, my finances need help, and I'm part of the problem. Our church Whatever you see a need and you're like, man, I've tried it and I made it worse. I'm part of the problem. But if you think about it, God loves to use the unqualified, the failures, those that have made mistakes. I'm going to play a video. It's a short video. It's about a minute. We played this years ago, but I think it, it perfectly fits with what we're talking about today. This is called the March of the Unqualified. God can't use you. Think he only uses perfectly qualified people? Take a closer look. Moses was not a great speaker. Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair. Jeremiah was depressed a lot. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. Sarah was barren. Naomi was a widow. Gideon and Thomas both doubted, and so did Sarah. Peter lacked self-control. James and John were self-righteous. Paul had a short fuse. Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified. Get in line. See, that's the beauty of the cross of Jesus Christ who cleanses us from every sin and every failure and every mistake we've ever made. If you feel like that you're unqualified and, and in your file you've got a list of all the things that you've done that you're ashamed and afraid of anybody knowing, if you've asked God to forgive you of those sins, as we talked last week, He is faithful to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. And though it might be in your file, it's part of your story. It can help people to know Christ because you are forgiven. You are a new person. Moses murdered a man. Abraham was a liar. Jacob was a cheater. Rahab a prostitute. David committed adultery. Peter left Christ at his greatest moment of need. Paul beat and abused Christian. Sometimes the one God uses, he sometimes uses the greatest 
are the ones who messed up the biggest. So if you've blown it, messed up, you can do what Isaiah did. This is what happened in Isaiah chapter 6. He says, woe unto me who is of unclean lips. This is what happened in Isaiah 6, verse 6. He goes on and says, then one of the seraphs flew to me. That's an angel's spirit. Flew to me with a live coal in his hand. This is symbolic of the altar the coals of the altar of Christ, where a sacrificial lamb is sacrificed and burned at the altar. This is the coal from the sacrificial altar. He says, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He says, with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for or sin is covered he says confess your sin which he did i am a sinner god and the altar of christ that is a picture of what christ has done his cross the cross of christ was the altar of god that blood that poured down was his sacrifice for our sins and as isaiah cried out for repentance god i am a sinner god's response was forgiveness See, that's our response to our mistakes. Confess your sin and you will be forgiven. Your guilt will be taken and your sin atoned for. And this is what's awesome because once Jesus covers our sins, this is the next thing we say. The next thing Isaiah said, the very next thing he said is, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. See, that's the beauty. If you've ever failed, you are a candidate for God to use. You might think, it, well, that's easy for you to say, Ted. You've never made big mistakes. So I've made mistakes. And I still stumble. My ministry has been filled with failure. Maybe you've blown it. Maybe it's been a purity issue. Maybe you've, you've uh, messed up financially. Maybe you've messed up um, in your marriage. Maybe you've messed up uh, ethically. Sometimes when you fail... You find you're more broken and dependent on God than ever. And if you will repent of your sin, the coal from the altars of Jesus Christ will forgive you. And then you can say, God, here I am. Even though I'm not perfect, send me. So you need to realize this. How do I know if God is really going to use me? Real simple. Write this down. Sometimes you just have to step out to find out. Sometimes you just have to step out to find out. That's your response. Like Isaiah, here I am, God. Send me. One time the disciples saw Jesus walking on water. Peter thought, I wonder if I can do that. In Matthew 14, 28, Paul, uh, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to walk with you on the water. I mean, think about it. Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter says, hmm, I wonder if I could do that. I w- Jesus, if it's really you, I want to do it too. And Jesus' response was, come on then. He says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. See, a lot of times we like to focus on how he started to sink when he got scared of the storm and the waves. But we often forget that he walked on water. Peter 
a man just like you and me, just a human being just like us who is filled with with self-righteousness and anger and insecurity and mistakes that people that counted Peter out, that same guy walked on water because he took the step first. And he learned to rely on God because if he took his eyes off Jesus, that's when he began to sink. Peter would have never known if he stayed in the boat, and neither will you. It's time to step out. I want to end with a with three prayers that will shake you out of your comfort zone, okay? We're talking, God, here I am. Use me. What do we do next? I want you to pray these three things this week. Even pray them today, and it will change the course of your future. These three things that will shake you out of your comfort zone are some three of the hardest prayers probably you might ever pray. This is the first one. Ask God to give you eyes to see. God, let me see things around me the way that you see them. Let me see the need in the way that you see need. Let me see people the way that you see people. Let me see my church the way you see my church. God, let me see my family the way that you see my family. God, give me eyes to see beyond my own selfishness in the mirror. You will see need that you've never seen before. Second thing is this, ask God to give you ears to hear. To hear things that are not being said. The cries from others that are too ashamed to speak. If you will ask God to give you ears to hear, it's called discernment. You'll begin to see and hear things that you never saw before in the spirit realm. You'll begin to actually hear in the cries of a person's heart and their words at work, in your family members, in your kids' lives. You'll begin to hear the Holy Spirit move and guide you. God, give me eyes to see. God, give me ears to hear. And this last one is really tough, is ask God to break your heart. So I'm like, I don't want my heart broken. I'm not, I mean, I'll see the other two, but I'm not going to. You can't move forward with God without a broken and contrite heart. The Bible says a broken and contrite heart. That is what he desires. That is what he works and moves through. I ask you to pray, God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. To be awakened in the night with burden for others. God, I want to be... I want to be broken for the world. Get me sick of temporary materialistic concerns. God, help me to to be broken for those that are in need. God, let me be restless until something is done. Break my heart. Move me. See, the enemy will pop up with this. He'll say, "Ah, but you're a failure. You're a failure. You're insecure. You're nobody. You don't know enough. That will only confirm to you that you're exactly the person that God wants to use. God wired you with passions and gifts and concerns and interests and desires and abilities unique to you. I challenge you to step out in the small things. Some of you, I want to encourage you as we move into the fall, it's time for you to to start getting involved in church again. It's time to start signing up to volunteer in kids' ministry, to volunteer in the worship band, to volunteer in the pit crew. You know, this doesn't show up by magic. 
until we find a place that's, that's, a temp, uh, that's a permanent or our next phase of our future. This is where God has blessed us with, and this doesn't show up by itself. And maybe it's time for you to get involved and to help set it up and to help tear it down. Or We need greeters, pit crew, band, people who will help with the ushers. You know, there are people that have actually told me and said to me that that smile told me that God wasn't finished with me yet. That person who greeted me made me feel like I was in the right place and the Spirit of God began to move at that point. Not when the first strum was made, not when the first verse was read, but when that first smile was given. Step out onto the water. Give your life to the kingdom. Step out and find what God has for you to do. Volunteering, step out and find out the power of the Holy Spirit through you to change life. Step out when it comes to giving. The scripture is crystal clear on this. Step out and find out what happens when you obey in that. Uh, When you get this tug on your heart to hug someone, to pray for someone, to speak to them, step out and see what happens. Uh, when, When someone says, I have need, and you go, well, I've got that. I've got a refrigerator sitting in my garage. I'm not gonna sell it. I'm gonna give it. I've got that. I've got a couch for you. I've got a car. You need a sound system? I've got something for you. Just step out and give it away. That might be an answer to prayer and watch what God does. Step out and find out. You were created by God to be used by God in the power of God for the glory of God, prepared beforehand by God for right now. So let me warn you, if you pray those three things, your life will be interrupted. So Peter and John, walking with Jesus, and talking with Jesus. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the church began to grow amazingly. Peter and John were arrested. They were taken into court. And this is what was said about them in Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That word ordinary is the word idiotis. It's the word where we get idiot from. He says, when I look at these men, they're a couple of idiots. But the difference is they've been walking with Jesus. So feeling inadequate, feeling insecure, you're just the person that's just right. God to use. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.